Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Peck Baumert. Hey Paige. She really doesn't have a hyphenated name. I no. just keep saying her middle name, which is her old last name. It's just <laughs> fun for me to know she's still a Peck in there somewhere. Anyway, but she is Paige Baumert and we're happy to have her. Paige, I know you said hi and I just talked right over the top of it. I'm so sorry. It happens. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not happens. offended. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> we just chuck and jive here. We That's do. whatever happens, happens. Anyway, well, today on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast, we are going to be talking about homeschooling, even if you're not. So the stuff that we're going to share is going to be applicable to every home school because we think that every family should definitely see themselves as a home school, even if they're not homeschooling. And we will explain that and some of the power that you can put behind your efforts that you're doing as a parent there. Um, Of course, we have always homeschooled here in the Peck family. And we'll share some of the tricks of the trade, the things that we know that might help you, whether you're homeschooling or not, or if you might have to this year, again, you know, all this COVID, who knows what's going on. Anyway, um, you just never know when you're going to need the skill and it could bless you every day. So anyway, that's what we're going to be talking about. But first, as is tradition, Paige, do you have a fun family activity for us? I do, as a matter of fact. And that fun family activity is doing makeovers blindfolded. So if that is confusing to you, then it basically involves two people and one person is blindfolded and is given a lot of makeup. Or you can do this also with like feeding other people and whatnot. It's it's fun either way. But you take the makeup and you can either do this while sitting behind the person, pretending like you are their arms, or you can do it in front of the person. So basically you try and put their makeup on blindfolded and you just kind of have to like feel around their face to see where their facial features are and then go for it. It's actually really fun. I think, I think it's even more fun if you videotape it. Like you make little movies because you got to watch it after. Now you always see the people behind the person acting like they're their arms. We used to call that, um, that game. That's probably not a very socially acceptable game, but when we were little, we used to call it midget anyway, (laughs) because it would be like, because we would be like the arms of the person and maybe even the legs of somebody else. And anyway, and we, and oh no, their arms were the legs. That's what it was. So they were a teeny tiny legs. Oh, and um, that's what it was. Anyway, so they had to sit there with their, their arms sticking out. And then we were behind a blanket and our arms were sticking out. I forget how we did it exactly. But then we do all kinds of crazy things like feed each other and, yeah, like do makeup and, and stuff <laughs> like that. And, and it just really makes for some funny videos, silly, silly videos to see people doing that. And um, plus, if you're going to be the one underneath the blanket behind somebody else, you want to see what it looked like after, you know? Oh, yeah. You want to see your masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, that activity is just all about the laughs, which is oh, super yeah. fun, you know? 
and you got to have laughs. Laughing is so healthy for you. And when you do it as a family, it's a really great bonding time that you get to have with each other. So love that. That's a really good one, Paige. I say, everybody, go get all the, all the makeup you don't use anymore. You know, the stuff where you're like, yeah, not wearing that cover, color ever again. That's the stuff you use, you know, yes. not the stuff you care about because they're going to slam it on somebody's face. It could even go into their teeth. I mean, who knows? And it's... <laughs> You're not going to probably want to use it too much after this activity. So right. either that or if you don't have any extras, just go like to the dollar store, get the cheap stuff and decorate each other up. It'll be fun. Or do it with food. You can always do a food one. Yeah, food's a good idea. I like that. Okay, so let's talk about homeschooling, even if you're not. So every single person is a homeschooler, whether they know it or not. And I think that's one important thing that we have to start with here, because we know not everybody who listens to the Teaching Self-Government podcast is a homeschooler, and that's fine, because everything we do here at Teaching Self-Government is for everybody, every family. But as a homeschooler, I have to say, for years and years, I have told people, as I've spoken at homeschooling conferences about parenting and about homeschooling, I've said every single parent's a homeschooler. It's just the ones that know it that are a little extra lucky because every family teaches their children what it means to be a successful, happy person. Parents teach their children what their priorities should be. I mean, there's just so many things. Plus, parents can teach children to love learning if the parents love learning and the parents get to set limits for all kinds of things, how much TV versus not, and how much friend time and what kinds of things are appropriate and not and helping set morals. And I mean, all of this is home education. Mm -hmm. This is all homeschooling. And so every parent really is a homeschooler, but there are some things that since, okay, so now, you know, you're a homeschooler if you didn't know before. Okay. (laughs) And, And don't take it personal. I mean, do, but don't. (laughs) <laughs> right, 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 right. It's not a bad thing. It's a no, good thing. It's a great so thing. our, fa- in fact, this year I think every family did become a homeschooler, <laughs> whether they wanted to or not. I mean, in the real sense Love of it, that. you know. <laughs> yeah, in the real sense of it, the whole world was homeschooling, and so at that point, everyone went, "Okay, well, I got to get down to this homeschool business and see what it's really all about, and see how we can make it good." And maybe you've been figuring out some things. In fact, probably you have been. But I'd love to share some stuff with you that I feel like are some of our sort of. I don't know, um, secret recipes, secret sauce, you know, for making homeschool really great. And some of the things that you can focus on, whether your children are doing homeschool right now or not, if your children are going to the school, no problem. Let's work on that family culture. Mm-hmm. So our family has a definite family culture page and, and now you're married. So you're starting your own culture, right? Right. And which is always unique because it's the mother and father that get to establish what are the top priorities of the family? What um, is that culture going to look like? Now, Paige, I'm putting you totally on the spot here. But if you were to describe not the Baumert family culture now, but go back in time in your brain and describe the Peck family culture, what is the Peck family culture when you think of and culture means culture. It means um, to nourish, to grow, to strengthen, to correct and to you know, uh, trained up those little plants. What does the, the Peck family culture uh, look like and feel like if you explained it from a child's perspective? Oh, goodness. I would say that our culture looks like lots of family time. It looked like being together a lot. So yes, we were homeschooled, but 
we spent time outside of quote unquote school time. And we did family activities together, you know, sometimes multiple times a week. We knew that there was a system that our family was governed by and we knew we could trust it because it was consistent. We knew that we could trust our parents to give us the truth and that they wouldn't manipulate or lie to us. We knew that, you know, religion in our home was very important and that it was kind of the foundation of everything that we did. And we knew that mom and dad had our best interest in mind. And so that's why they did the things they did. Sometimes we didn't like it, but that's just kind of what, what happened. And so we were, you know, when we got a no answer, we knew like, okay, that's, they're saying no for a reason. And, um, you know, we can ask why, or we can just, you know, kind of just be okay with it and move on with life. I don't know if that's kind of what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you were saying, okay, well, we know how things worked. You know, we know, we knew what to do. We were confident in who we were. Yeah. But what I'm also hearing you say is that you knew we had your best interest in mind. Like we, we were leading you towards something that maybe even you couldn't fully conceptualize yourself as becoming a certain kind of person. Um, you know, we also had a, a family culture where we did so many things together as a family. And it wasn't just because we were homeschooled. It was because we decided that family was going to come first and that family was going to be the best of friends. Right. And, mm-hmm. and your siblings truly have been your whole life, yeah. your best friends. Even though there's many other people you love and care for and are oh, of course. wonderful friends, even people you might even call best friends, but it's, it's just, they don't really compare to mm-hmm. your siblings. And I know um, that, that everyone has felt that way in the family, all of the siblings, which has been a really beautiful bond and a tie that you all have together. You know, I mean, Quinn's married and he calls up Porter and he's like, Hey, Porter, let's hang out. Let's go do <laughs> volleyball or basketball rather. Let's go to the gym. Let's whatever, you know, and they do things, they do activities together and, mm-hmm. and, and you're married, but London's up at the same college as you and you're over there visiting and you guys are doing things together. And I mean, and so you guys are maintaining these friendships, even though you're moving on with all the other aspects of your adult lives. And that started in our home that those friendships were so important to you, Mm -hmm. that life wasn't about you. It was about family and it was about what the family needed. And I think that was a big part of our culture is we didn't look at what we were doing, raising our children as well. Let's see. Um, what does Paige want? What makes Paige happy? What, uh, you know, um, what would Paige prefer? No, no, no. Those, not that we didn't know. I mean, we knew what Paige wants, what makes her happy and what she would prefer. And it's called like sleep, sleep, maybe some sugar, some music, some more sleep. I mean, yeah, like we, we knew. Oh yeah. Paige doesn't want to clean her room either. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, okay. So, so. Thanks for pointing it out. Sorry. We don't, you know, oh, it's how, fine. I mean, we're, we kind of just wear our family on our sleeves. Like, ah, oh, this is who we are. Right. So, and I, I have, improved i must say <laughs> very good 
<laughs> I am so glad that we have we have improved in those ways and we don't just sleep our sleep our lives away now that we're on our own. No, in fact, you would never do that because we set a culture that I know you want that, sweetie, but that's not really what leads to a happy life, right? And so we were constantly pointing toward that happy life, which is the whole point of this culture thing that I'm wanting to talk about and why I put you on the spot like that is where are you pointing your children? What are they going to get from it in the end? You know, and, Mm -hmm. and what are they going to want for their own families? And I think that's the big thing. The way that they see your culture is what they're going to want for their own family. And Paige, I know you've already mentioned that you and Joseph had have, have had multiple conversations about what you want for your family. Mm -hmm. And he's got some things he's bringing in, bringing to the table that are part of his upbringing. But I'm sure you've also been very like, okay, this is something we did as a family and I really want it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there have been things like that too. And so, you know, you've created a really good family culture and you've, and you've taught your children what leads to happiness when they might want to duplicate parts of that, right? Maybe not exactly because, you know, each couple relationship is, you know, their own, but when you see truth, you think, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and have that truth. And, um, you know, and Quinn's married too. And I've had multiple talks and stuff with Quinn about things that he hopes for his own marriage and his own life, because he's seen our marriage. And he said to me one time, you know, you and dad are so happy in your marriage. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want. I want to have that kind of happiness in in my marriage, you know? And so, I mean, just a really great, um, a really great feeling when you know, okay, the culture, we did it. And to me, that's the success of our homeschool right there. I would say so too. Yeah. Because because it's something that we've all been able to look up to. I know for me, you know, I've only been married a few months, but you know, I look at your and dad's relationship and I go, okay, goals, you know, or some people would say couple goals right there, you know, (laughs) relationship goals. Um, And so, you know, sometimes I fall into the mistake of wanting it right now, but then I'm like, wait, they've been married for 20 plus years that I can't have it right now. (laughs) It's going to have to wait. (laughs) You know, I am so glad you see that because this is always the thing, you know, as, as I've watched you and Quinn get married, I'm like, okay, so now comes the time where they know exactly. exactly what they want because we laid the foundation for them they saw good examples not perfect mind you we're not perfect but we laid good examples that's what you think okay <laughs> well, i know the truth and i'm not perfect so that's true people may think other things about me let them think whatever they want but i'm just telling you firsthand i'm not perfect <laughs> and it's definitely now. and definitely dad is not perfect let's put that on the record no, i'm kidding <laughs> we have to because he always jokes and says oh yes i'm perfect and everywhere you know, like, you're funny <laughs> yeah haha anyway we, we have to try to keep him humble anyway so um yeah so we weren't perfect but we set the example but when you guys you know each of you have gotten married i'm like okay now comes that time where they have to go okay i know where i'm going now i've got to make sure that i can know where we are going with this new family now that we're starting and we've got to get on the same page we have to learn and grow together and and there is one advantage slash disadvantage that i have given my children and so here i am i'm admitting a disadvantage the disadvantage is 
that my children, when it comes to family and relationships and stuff like that are so mature. Oh, that's also the advantage, but it's also the oh. disadvantage because <laughs> the thing, because the thing is, is that the rest of the world is like, why do you care so much about that? Why is that so important? And they don't necessarily see that. Like even the person that you marry that you're like, yep, they've got everything I want. They could be like, I don't get that. Like, I don't understand why you care about that. And you're like, trust me, I lived yeah. it. But like, but so then comes the patience, you know, then comes the patience and the, the growing together, the learning together, the mm -hmm. teaching each other, you know, he's teaching you, you're teaching him. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So you're, you're creating that culture that you're going to then impart to all your children yeah. in the future, which is so fun. So, and part of our culture, I think, you know, like you said earlier, we became best of friends. And so <laughs> it's funny because I remember the first couple of times I brought Joseph home to visit. Um, he saw me interact with London and Porter and Quinn. He's like, that's weird. Like, we yeah, <laughs> probably. probably <laughs> no, Cause like, you know, Porter, he's my main cuddle buddy. When I go home, like, you know, we're kissing each other's cheeks all the time, you know, we're cuddling and we're just, we're, we're a very physical touch family and we're very close emotionally and physically. And it was funny on our drive back to Idaho one time, he's like, you know, isn't something a little wrong there? Like, you know, and I think it was actually even right after we got married, he's like, you know, shouldn't you like be like, as the Bible says, cleaving unto your husband, like the way you act with your family, that's not how it is. I'm like, no, 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 let me clear this up for you. The relationships I have with my family, that's just how we grew up. That's our family culture. Of course, I love you. You know, you're my first priority, but that's just how I am with my family. Well, that's how we he, grew up. Yeah, because his culture wasn't, you don't show maybe physical affection to yeah. somebody. And so it, he's just know, like, that's yeah. just weird. <laughs> well, because you know what? Because your dad is a physical affection guy. Mm -hmm. And so he raised you from the time you guys were little, just like, oh and cuddling and you know always just kind of like hugging and you know and everything and so as far as guys go he was he and I thought that was darling I wanted him to have that with you guys especially because it took him longer to develop patience and that was his saving <laughs> grace for a little while I'm like okay yeah you go ahead and be sweet and physical like that with the children that's Do good <laughs> you know you need to and so he was even more of a toucher than I am yeah. I would say but so that sure. was something I had to explain to Joseph I'm like that's just part of our family culture. Like you we know. just give each other a kiss on the cheek and we sit with our arm around each other. Like we're very oh, open. You. We're very jovial. Yeah. You know, we're very loud. That's yeah. another thing. We're very loud. Um, and... We're taking the total tangent here. <laughs> yes, we're taking, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm like, oh yeah, last night I was watching a, a movie with London and Porter because it was family movie night and and I'm sitting there like you know like holding London's hand people would probably think that's so awkward but I'm like oh she's my daughter I love her so much you know anyway, we're totally taking a, 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 a culture family tangent culture, which is part yeah. of homeschooling there we, yes, go. Yes. Back. there we go boom back to homeschool <laughs> even if you're not okay so decide what you want your culture to be do you want to be a cuddle culture if if not that's okay you don't have to, but decide what you want your culture to be. And, um, and that culture that you have as a family is teaching your children what's most important. And I mm -hmm. think that's the biggest thing. So let's talk about some of these, um, 
cultural elements, things that really make, we're going to call it a great homeschool. So if you're a homeschooler, um, hopefully this is going to be some of the secret sauce that you're missing. But here's the thing. If you're a homeschooler, but you're not a homeschooler, this is going to be secret <laughs> sauce. Okay. So this is what, this is what we're giving you because because truly, this is what a family needs to be successful in life. And the answer for success in life is not mathematics, even though that's important. And I know Paige is even taking math classes right now in college. It's important. We have to learn it. But it is not, it is not what will make your child's experience in your home the most valuable. Um, homework? Nope. That's not going to be the thing that you want them to remember the most. You want them to know who you are as a family. So and that's not what I remember th the most doing homework. Nope. <laughs> no, for sure not. I it's remember that I didn't things. like it. <laughs> well, I mean, we never really had homework. It was all homework because you true. were homeschooled, yeah. right? So there you go. And we just kind of had fun with it throughout the day. But um yeah, so let's talk about what makes a great homeschool. And if you are not homeschooling, then remember you are homeschooling and please apply this as needed for your family. Okay, step number one for creating a great homeschool is family bonding. Oh yeah, big time. Family bonding. Everything your child learns and holds on to is going to be taught to them through a relationship, not through words or um, things on a page or a worksheet or any of those things that even though those can be useful things, they can kind of, um, they can kind of steer us in a, in a certain direction. They're really not going to be the things that do the main teaching. The main teaching comes from how the people behave with each other. And when you have a good relationship with someone, you can tell them something in all truthfulness and they know that's true. And if there's one thing that I have tried to do, it is to be completely truthful, completely honest um, all the time. Not, not to, not like to hurt in any way, but when, when we're talking about anything, I'm just going to lay it all out on the table and not, not before it's the time that is yeah, important. You're going to be honest and truthful, um, but keep the learner in mind, right? Yeah. Right. And not yeah. violate anyone's consciences. <laughs> yes. We're not going to like all of a sudden start having strange, you know, conversations. Exactly. But if they ask me anything, I talk about anything. And, and because they know I'm truthful and because we have a good bond, then they know I'm always going to be straight with them. A hundred percent. I'm not going to muddle anything up with how I feel or anything like that. I, not the feelings are bad, but I'm not going to spend my time telling them something mixed with all that. I'm just going to say, well, let's look at it. Here's what we see. Here's something I know about it. Here's another thing. Here's a truth we might want to consider. And, and this is where we're at. Or, hey, look in the media. We're seeing that in the media right now. This is what's going on in the media. This is what they're saying. But this is what's, you know, um, what I know of from, you know, other sources, da, 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 da. And so... And so you can, you can help your child make a lot more sense of the world, learn many more things by focusing on the family bond. You know, the other day, Porter and I uh, were having our family devotional time. We were studying some scriptures. And, and in these scriptures, it was talking about, you know, things that would be happening in, you know, what the scriptures often call the last days. And we, and opened up some really amazing discussion that we were sitting talking about some of these things. And 
Um, and all of a sudden, within a couple of hours, he's handing me his notebook, his writing notebook, and he's like, I've written a paper. And I wow. opened his paper, I opened his writing notebook, and here's a paper called Our Day. And this paper has all his thoughts and what he put together based on what he knows is happening in the world right now, what he read in the scriptures, um, other conversations we've had. I, I saw a whole bunch of things being put together into one big package and he was writing them all down in his own organized way. And he said to me, mom, I could have written like a packet on this. <laughs> He's like, I have thought about it so much. And I'm like, of course you have. And and, and we didn't even need to discuss it that much because we've discussed things so much already. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not ever like going on and on and on. It's like, Hey, here's a little discussion topic. And then that's it. That's more yeah. my style. Um, you know, I know other people have different styles. My, my husband definitely has more of a style where he goes on for a long time. And, <laughs> and, and I know that that is harder to receive actually, um, when the children have a difficult time grabbing on because they feel like maybe sometimes it's a little bit repetitive. So analyze yourself, analyze your relationship. Can you bond better with the children? Do you want to talk to them about things that are going on? If there's one thing they need to be learning right now, it's okay. What do I do with all with a mess? What do I do with a mess? <laughs> because mm -hmm. the world right now is in a mess. What do I do with it? You know, <laughs> and the messes, emotional messes, all the messes, health messes, <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. There's just all kinds of things, social, blah, blah, everything happening right Right now and and we don't know it's going to be over we don't know that and people might hope they might think yeah things always come to an end maybe or maybe it won't or maybe there'll be a new mess you know mm -hmm. how, do, how do we know if the messes are over so let's teach our children how to handle a mess let's teach them how to problem solve a mess and that means we got to talk to them about it honestly to me right now that's more vital information than like mastering decimal points yeah, you know, and and so that's important homeschooling that every parent needs to be doing. Yeah, that's a really big part of bonding. I think another big part of bonding, though, is taking time out to have fun. Um, I know something that we did, especially when I was a little bit younger, uh, every Friday for multiple years, we did what we called field trip Friday. And we would go out and we would do stuff. I remember two, uh, two field trips in particular, there's one time we went out and we saw some um, petroglyphs out and just, uh, you know, in the local area, because where we live, you know, Indians used to live there. And so there's still things from, from them. And it was really cool to just kind of hike out in the mountains and see these rocks that were covered in these, you know, ancient drawings and see these different pictures and just different ways that people used to communicate. And I thought that was super cool. And then there's another one where you took us to, uh, the Children's Museum, you know, in Salt Lake City. And that was really fun, you know. So sometimes it's it was a free thing. Another time, you know, we spent a little bit of money to have some family time together. But it was always it was always a learning thing because field trips, you know, they're meant to learn about something. And so those, I found, were very beneficial for my bonding time with the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just just getting out. I mean, we did so many different things. It oh, was yeah. like, let's go to the park and play in the water, or we went and let's fly, go. flew kites, you know, out kites. by the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. How about bald eagles going to find bald eagles and stuff like that? I mean, we've done actually a lot of different <laughs> things. So, um, 
I mean, whether it's hiking and outdoorsy stuff or even sporty stuff or arty art stuff, um, going to different musical performances. I mean, you know, like we try to hit different concert series, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, we did all kinds of things and especially if they fell on a Friday. Now, sometimes if there was a concert on a Wednesday, we would say this is field trip Friday. <laughs> it's field trip Friday, Wednesday. <laughs> it's not field trip Wednesday and we'll be doing school on Friday, but we always had that field trip Friday um, tradition, mm -hmm. you know, and um, we are at a point now where Porter and I, every once in a while, look at each other and go, we need a field trip Friday because <laughs> I mean, we used to do field trip Friday every Friday, literally yeah. every Friday. And, um, and that was just such a classic Peck family thing. It was just like, don't call us on a Friday. We're not home. Like we are out doing things. And now that it's just me and Porter and dad, you know, we're like, <laughs> we need some field trip Friday. Like, even though you're 16, we, we miss that, you know, mm. it's a big part. And London has been visiting from college recently this week. And, um, and I just looked at the situation and I'm like, we got to go somewhere. We need like a field trip. <laughs> and we're like, okay, let's get out and let's go do something. And so we tried to go and do something. So that's a great one. You're right. Fun times, family activities, super important. Try to have at least one family activity a week. Those yep. field trip Fridays were usually just with mom and the children. Yeah, because dad would be off at work. But. Yeah, usually. I mean, every once in a while he could come. But um, and those were great. We loved those ones. Yeah, especially because we, you know, he'd all of a sudden be like, "And let's do this," and he's like, all of a sudden gonna spend more money. Sweet, right? <laughs> great, sounds good. <laughs> he'd be like, "Oh, I'm here. I'm making a bigger deal out of it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Had to make his point, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, plus sugar it speaks to dad. <laughs> anyway, okay, so um, let's see what else is, makes a great homeschool. I would say a schedule. Oh yeah. This is the part where people get a little hung up. Now, I don't want you to take this wrong because I definitely am a live in the moment type person. And I think from the Same. podcast styles, you can tell that about our family, that we're not like, <laughs> we're not like, it has to be this exact thing. Da, 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 da. We're definitely not like that. If we feel like something needs to adjust, then we adjust and we're adaptable and we're okay adjusting. But we can also stick to a schedule. You may not know that, but it is possible. <laughs> no, and in fact, you are really, really good at it, mom. When you put your mind to it and when you have a schedule, you are dead set on it. Like you're not, if something was wrong, you're not going to fly off the handle. You're going to adapt. But when you have that schedule, it's there. And I know, especially when I was probably in my early teens, um, we had a very set schedule for we we're going to wake up at this time. Then we're going to do our family canon for a couple hours. And then you all are going to go work on this and this and this. And mm -hmm. that was our schedule. So it was flexible, but it was there, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I mean, really I, nice. we always allowed in our schedule blocks of time where it was like, well, what do you feel like you need to be working on? Okay, well, mm -hmm. this is your time. Go work on it, right? Yeah. So we had these blocks of time for things. But you're right. We always started at 9 a.m. And before that, it was like, get your tour done. 
and maybe even get your music done. Although I did allow the children oftentimes to do their music in the middle of the day as part of their studies. And because it was a nice break, it was like, I'm doing studies. Now I'm going to go study my music. Now I'm going to come back and do other studies. And so it was kind of a good break. So, but some of them did it in the morning because they want to just get it out of the way. And so then it would be like, okay, now family canon, which is like our devotional time, the time I read to the children and that kind of thing. And then we would discuss. Now uh, there's a point in family canon when um, like when Quinn and Paige were older, we would say, okay, well now you guys can go off and do your studies that you need to do. Cause they had more intense studies that they had to work on. And then right. I would continue on with learning for London and Porter. So we were more self-guided at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but, but for sure, by the time we hit after lunchtime, you know, usually then everyone was doing their independent study during that time of the day. Here's the thing. If you want your child to love learning, if you want your child to really feel like they love the experience of harvesting information and having their brain grow, which is what learning is, and and identifying truths and hooking them into themselves and making connections in the brain. If you want your child to go there and to love that, they got to have time. Mm -hmm. They got to have time. You can't be gone all the time. Uh, The learning quality goes down if the family is too busy. Yeah, lots of extracurricular things. things. Uh Uh-huh. It it really does. And so you have to make sure that the family is keeping enough time so that the child can get through the books. I don't know if you noticed, Paige, but there was a point uh, when you and Quinn were a little older where I went, you guys, you know what? We are not doing this anymore. We are not doing this anymore. And I started pulling us back from stuff. Mm -hmm. And this was even good homeschool stuff. It was like we had a commonwealth or a, you know, a, a group of people we were a getting co-op. with, a co-op, yeah, that we were getting together with for different classes. And, and it was like, we have too many classes. I mean, these are all great. Don't get me wrong. They're great. It's fun to see the friends and the other homeschool families, but we do not have enough time to do the stuff that we want to do. And, and so I said, I got to pull back. Now this goes for any family. If your child is going to too many extracurricular activities, too much time doing school things, whatever, then you've got to say, wait a second, we're pulling back. I've known families mm-hmm. to say, my child's going to go over to the school for a half day. They're going to do this class and this desk class, and then I'm taking them home so that the rest of the day they can read their books. They can do their things. I know that's kind of what I did. So there was a period of time where, you know, we were singing together in an acapella, a women's acapella chorus. And we had to stop that because you had to spend more time with London, focus on her. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, she was getting older. And so I was the equivalent to a junior in high school. And I'm like, mom, I need some music, something. Mm-hmm. And so the you know, closest opportunity that I could be in was the high school show choir. And so we enrolled me in high school for show choir to be in well, that one right out well yeah. yeah but um so yeah you know I did something like that I showed up for the last period of the day every other day <laughs> and sang in choir and I actually I made some really good friends there um but I also really really looked forward to coming home and spending time with the family so. you Paige you had straight A's right 
straight A's. Such a good choir student. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no, we we did do that. That was a thing. In fact, um, you're the only child who's who's actually done a class like that where you've enrolled. But, you know, Porter's been on the the soccer team at the high school and you know he's done a lot of stuff with them Uh, Quinn did stuff with the basketball team Mm -hmm. we did you know some different things but um but you did you were the only one who actually got a grade (laughs) and it was straight A's in that choir but you know you have to (laughs) and that was the way that I that was the way that I worked it out that year because you were right I had to take time with London she was getting older and she needed my attention. You and Quinn needed a little more guidance. Taken she did, yeah. a lot of attention because we had done so much singing with you, and she was at an age where she needed that. And so we had to adjust. But there were other years where Quinn was like 15. I knew he was going to start college the next year. He had goals to meet. And if we kept going to our co-op classes, he wasn't going to make it. And I had to pull out. I was like, you know what? We haven't done enough genealogy stuff that we wanted to do as a family. We're going to do that. We're going to pull out of all these classes. We're going to do our own studies. And we're going to get our homeschool culture exactly where it needs to. So Mm -hmm. there were times we pulled out of choirs we were singing with in our homeschool community. We pulled out of lots of different things and 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 other families are like why it's so fun the group is so good and I'm like you're right they are but but we need to refocus we have to have our home culture stay how it is now this goes for anything if you've got your child you know doing gymnastic 20 nights a week you have to decide how how is that affecting our and I know there's not 20 nights in a week that was obviously (laughs) inflated anyway but you have to decide how how much of a family culture do we need to have? And are we getting it? And sometimes you have to make sacrifices for that. Mm -hmm. So that's like, you know, how much co-op, how much not. Now there is a rule of thumb that I had once the children hit age 12 until the time they were about age 14 or 15. So for, for two or three years, I would allow each child to have two classes in a homeschool co-op. Okay, so this would be equivalent of two extracurricular things. That was a lot. That actually was. Yeah, that was a lot. So prior to that, and and keep in mind, we're doing stuff like music lessons in the middle of the day and stuff like that. So we're not, those aren't things taking up our our nights. All this stuff is actually happening in the middle of the day. But they only had that much study time at their disposal where they could still keep up on study time for things at home. I mean, when you've got to read a book every other week for your um, homeschool co-op a class. A whole book. <laughs> yeah, a whole book every other and week. And write a then, paper on it. Yeah, then what? Then you've got to, you're not having as much time to do your own studies on some of the other things that you're interested in. And, and in particular, you know, I think there was a time when Paige stopped doing as much music and I wanted her to be able to continue doing a lot of her music because music was a really important thing for her. Um, in Still fact. Is. Yeah, Paige is one of those um, rare people that, you know, I could like tell her sing a C and she could sing a C, you know, (laughs) and that kind of thing. She just knows um, what it's supposed to sound like. And, And when you're that kind of a person, you can't live without music usually like. (laughs) so anyway so you got to know when is too much that's super important um and some other things that we needed that we had to know when to say no to and and every family needs to decide this is you've got to know when the brain numbing time we're talking tv phones like just diverse yeah computer when it's not allowed 
you know, when it's just like searching things online, listening to music, like you have to have a stop place for all those things. Cause those things get in the way of the family relationships. Oh, they do big time. And of the family culture. And if you're doing too many of those things, if you're listening to too much music, you're not talking to the people around you. You're not thinking your own thoughts as clearly because you're being scripted by something else. So you do have to be careful. I mean, that obviously depends on what type of music you're listening to. If you've got water music going in the background, you might be able to think really great, you know, but, um, (laughs) but by and large, you've got to be careful because, you know, if your page, you're going to start singing along, you're going to get caught up in the music (laughs) and you're not going to get anything else done. I have to be careful what I listen to when I study. Yeah, because all of a sudden she's like in a music zone and we're like, that's really creative and it sounds awesome, but please move on <laughs> to what it is that you're supposed Keep to be doing. Keep doing your math, so we, honey. <laughs> yeah, so we had to find this mix where it was Paige got enough music in the way that she needed it, in the way that she needed it. That's important. Mm-hmm. So she got to really figure and sort and, and perform and do the music. And then she got, we, we had to shut down the music at other times when she, when it was getting in the way of her thinking and doing of other things, yeah. right? So anyway, you have to know when the brain numbing stuff is not helping the family. Um, There was a a person who asked a question to me recently talking about uh, her children fighting every night, you know, and I thought, hmm, I wonder what they're fighting over because it is very possible that they're fighting over computer games and stuff like that. And if that's the case, then we know computer games are hurting our family culture. They're hurting our relationships. They're hurting education. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're a homeschooler, you know, you learn 24 seven. If somebody says, well, how long is your school day? Well, all day. And I'm pretty sure they're dreaming school at night. So it's all day, <laughs> all night. It's like all the time. And um, because if the culture is good enough and if you're really introducing them to stuff that's good enough, it is all the time. It's like dinner mm-hmm. conversation. It's while it's, it's working in the yard together. It's everything. But so then do you see why every parent really is a homeschooler and should be a homeschooler? Because they're teaching their children so many things. So anyway, but some of the biggest things that we teach our children, and I think we need to remember to continue to teach our children are they need to know your ideologies. They need Mm -hmm. to know where you stand on all the big things. They've got to know. Religion, politics. Mm-hmm. stuff like that religion politics beliefs philosophy where are you at on philosophy i mean philosophy has gone in such a strange direction they're supposed <laughs> to be about finding truth and they just you know and and there's stuff being churned out now in the philosophy world that is like going so far from truth that you're like how can you call that philosophy anymore but it yeah. is it's the philosophies of so many people and men around us um and then there's worldviews. Do you study worldviews? So if you want to be a really great homeschooler, even if you're not, I highly (laughs) recommend reading books uh, from, um, you know, about different ideologies, Um, possibly podcasts. I know people keep telling me about this person, Jordan Peterson. They're like, do you listen to Jordan Peterson? I'm like, no. Now I'm mentioning him on my podcast and I still haven't listened to him. (laughs) Do you, I even have his name memorized and I'm bad with names. Do you think that potentially <laughs> I should go actually listen to this guy? People keep asking me about it again and again, but he, he does philosophy, right? He's, he's a Canadian philosopher, apparently. See, I even know about him, but I like have never listened to him anyway. And so I can't even say That's that I can vouch for, you, Mom. for what he's saying. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't even vouch. 
but but listen to you know people like that and say okay is he saying the truth what do i think about that how does that compare to my religious beliefs talk to your children about it potentially have your children listen to a lot of these podcasts that we've been doing about self-government in the family and you know and stuff like that and talk about your family i mean that is a worldview mm-hmm. what you think about the family is your worldview um it goes back to your beliefs your ideologies your your religion and your philosophies and so you need to discuss stuff like that with your children. They need to know where you stand because there's just so much confusion out there. There's a great book that you can read. There's actually multiple books to read. um, But one that I highly recommend is a book called The uh, Understanding the Times. Understanding the Times. It's a it's a large book. It could seem intimidating, but it's skimmable. Like you can skim it and get a lot out of it, even if you don't read every single word. And there's some charts in it that will just explain so much. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so understanding the times is huge because it talks about all the worldviews. Discuss them with their children, with your children. Your kids' brains will just like pop. Like what? <laughs> I didn't even know that. Okay, well, so now, wait a minute. So-and-so just said on the news this, that's that worldview. Ah, you're right. Okay, well, so-and-so the neighbor, even though they go to our same <laughs> church, they keep doing this, but that's like not actually our worldview. Ah, you're right. Like all of a sudden it opens their brain and they can see what's going on. And Start the cool thing correlations. is it opens yours too. So like, just read it. It's so good. Um, anyway, so if I can recommend that book for you, don't be intimidated by the size. Just start perusing it at first. Just start going through it and see what you think. And I can promise you that it will be one of those things that you'll you'll never see the world the same again when you get all of the worldviews in their proper location, in their proper, <laughs> I guess, box. It organizes it for you so that you don't have to sort through all the muddle-de-fuddle. That's not even a word, but I made it up. Stuff <laughs> anymore. So... Anyway, that's, yeah, that's a big one. I I think another one that we have to touch on is how people learn and you've got to know how people learn. Well, cause that's, it's totally different for each person. I know for me, like I consider myself somewhat of a slower learner to some degree. So I know I like to take my time with things um, and really go deep into them. And that, (laughs) that was actually a little hard when I first came to college because I'm like, mom, I just want to study so deep into this. And they, you know, they want me to have all of this done by this time. That's just not enough time. And so I had to learn how to learn in a college setting, you know, where I'm not just given hours and hours a day to study one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm in six different classes and I have six assignments due by the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was- You definitely are a slower learner. Paige does everything, well, not everything. But a lot of things slower. She's a slower eater. She's a slower learner. But you know what Paige does is she is there. When you're there, she's there. Like she's present. She pays attention to stuff that's going on around her. So she sees the world with like the whole lens, which is why you were struggling because you were like, ah, it's this whole big, huge picture. And you can hook all the dots together where London goes to college and she's like, oh yeah, I just do control F on the test and find the spot and I'm done. Like I'm, she's just like, she doesn't even read it. And I'm like, I read the whole book plus the other stuff. And I'm like, it's due in 30 minutes. I haven't started. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've learned how to get by, but London just naturally knew how to get by because her brain was just like, I'm not doing all that. This well, is yeah, what London, I'm London do. is very efficient. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like 
yeah. just that, you know, right there in between me and London, we learned so completely differently that you have to kind of tailor things to each child. So whereas you explain something to one child, they might go, oh yeah, I get that. Another child would be like, wait, what? And that's how it was with me. Like, especially when we started talking philosophies and stuff, when it was me and Quinn, we'd have early morning sessions with you Mm -hmm. and do studies and discuss and stuff. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah, mom, this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and you were a little bit lost on some yeah, of Yeah, I'd get lost, and so then I'd end up, uh-huh. like, checking out, you know, and just be like, okay, well, I'll let them discuss it, and when I come across something that I feel like I understand, I'll chime in my two cents and then go back to it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh-huh. but it's, it's, it's interesting, because, like, even London and Porter, like, Quinn and I, we learned how to read super-duper young, you know, you know, we were four years old reading the Bible, Mm-hmm. and um London and Porter they both struggled with dyslexia and so it's each child learns differently each person learns differently and it's you kind of have to figure out a way to tailor you know people's tailor to those needs mm-hmm. okay so this is a big thing um and and this is actually one of my biggest things for you know go home school because um because truly there are so many different aspects to learning and how people learn and to try to do that in a group setting with that many people, um, you're going to have a whole bunch of people just lost sitting there. It's Mm -hmm. always going to happen. If it's group setting, there's a point where it has to get personal for the person because otherwise they can't learn it. And if it's not coming in in their way, like professors, like if you don't get it, go find a tutor who will help you and because they know they're like this group learning doesn't work for everybody and we know it yeah so go find somebody to help you exactly (laughs) so (laughs) so there you go that doesn't mean they're going to be the one but they're going to tell you to go and find the one yeah so so part of learning how people learn is is knowing that each person learns individually different and trying to be in tune with that Mm -hmm. so that you can touch the child individually how they need to be touched. Now that part, the school will try to pay some attention to um, here and there occasionally. Um, But there's another part to learning how people learn that most people don't ever look into. When I started homeschooling, I started reading books like uh, DeMille, Fenelon, uh, Mason, Um, Holt, you know, and these are all people who study how people learn and different environments of learning and what you can trust that they will gather and what you don't, what you have to deliver, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to deliver certain formulas and other formulas they're going to gather all on their own. And you can trust that even if you never cracked a book, the person's going to learn, right? And that they learn through relationship, like we also all already mentioned in this podcast. And that that's super important that they develop relationships with their learning subjects. And if they don't, it's just going to be wasted time anyway. You can try to give somebody a quick surface, but they won't remember it later because they didn't develop the relationship with it, right? Mm-hmm. Or then there's the developmental levels, right? So when you're talking about how a person learns, well, there's certain stages of development in the brain where there's different things happening in the brain. And if you don't know what's happening in the brain during that time, you're going to have a difficult time delivering the right material at the right time time. So one example of this is like when children are little, when they're like under age eight, everything for them is a moral problem. Okay. It's like moral. (laughs) Uh, Is it right or wrong? Good or bad? True or false? I, you know, and especially right, wrong, right, wrong, you know, 
and, and naughty and nice, not everything is opposites. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. why they make little jokes that have to do with opposites and that everything is like, well, is it up or down? Is it, you know, black or white? Is it, I mean, that's the way children think. And you try to change that good luck. Um, you can, <laughs> you can work your heart out, but they are still going to look at things. You might give them a new perspective and then they'll just put you in the right category and they won't put you, they'll put everything that's against that in, in the wrong category. So that's, that's how they work. So then what you have to do is you have to give them the right information at that time. So during that time, I was learning my math facts because that's a normal thing you learn at that time. And I couldn't memorize these math facts. My brain would not memorize math facts. My brain would memorize little stories that had emotions in them because that was something that I was learning at that stage. I was very emotional Mm -hmm. because little children, their emotional centers really developed, right? But I couldn't learn the math facts and I couldn't memorize them. So I had to give all of the math facts, all the numbers had to be, have a personality and an emotion <laughs> because developmentally also children, everything relates to their family and their bonds because they're creating their deep bonds at that point. And that's another reason why they need to stay close to their parents. So it, that's just one little thing. But if you look at developmentally what's happening in a person, you need to know what they need at their stage of development. For instance, do you know that your children, once they hit age 12, they need to have a close bond with their dads. And if they don't, there's a hole missing. And dads are the ones that are going to show them how to interact with the world. They're going to show them what kind of a guy they should pick if they're a girl and what kind of guy they should be if they're a guy. They're going to show them, um, you know, what it means to sort out all this junk that's going on around them in the outside world, the stuff that's happening outside of the home. So, Dads have a huge role developmentally for children and many people don't realize that. So that's just a huge thing. Okay. There's one other thing that I want to talk about. I know we're getting close on time. We, <laughs> we're probably over close on time. Like this is going to be a long podcast, but, okay. I, but I'm glad that you've been sticking with us if you have been this far. So there's one other thing that I just wanted to share. And, and this is a thought this is going to be maybe kind of a bold claim. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to warn you, there's the pre-teach. So <laughs> I, um, I do a lot of work to try to protect school children. Okay. This isn't my, my, my part-time, uh, hobby, I guess, <laughs> is I go and I try to stop a whole bunch of like, you know, sexual stuff like uh, like some of the comprehensive sexuality education stuff that truly titillates and sexualizes. Um, it's been proven to, just if you look at the statistics of how, how much sexual activity goes on in the places where it's been implemented and, and other things and STD rates and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so it's not working, but that's the kind of thing that I try to stop from hitting our children because I feel like that's a parent's role to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I look through test questions for state tests to try to like make sure that developmentally things are on board, but also um, to see what other kinds of information they're throwing in that are that is not academic, such as um, you know social justice stuff, worldviews, things, um, and and it's there. Okay, it's there. And, and I try to remove it. I say, no, don't do this. But, but I'm just one of the parents that reviews it in my one state. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't have like all the authority, even if the Senate told me to be there, which they did, that doesn't mean they care about what I say. So in the end, some of the things I say matter, some of them don't. Um, Recently, just this week, 
I, well, okay, for years, I've been working on this database problem, which is an international database problem, mm -hmm. where there's porn in the databases at the school and stuff like that. There's just so many things, okay, when you add it all up, and I, and I ask myself, now, this is going to be a very unpopular statement, and I recognize that, um, you know, but I ask myself, is it worth it? Are what are we getting what we're what we're putting in like the amount mm -hmm. of time that the parents and the families are putting in and that the children the, the amount of time that a children is giving of their life to to going to school and to being part of this program are we getting out of it enough to make the the input worth it right when there's that much stuff there is there really we can we ever really be sure it's going to fully fit and, and i think the answer is no and there's well, that's, the, that's there's where the like statement you know that's where I, true homeschooling is so nice though because you have the opportunity to implement everything that you feel is necessary in the way that you want to yeah well and that's why i feel like okay so even if you're like well that doesn't fit our schedule that doesn't fit our family i think you have to say okay you know what i have to be the authority on the knowledge for my child even if they go there to learn math okay or whatever else you're sending them there for and truthfully there's so many videos on math and so many mentors on math and so many, don't even worry about math anyway because there's so many different ways you can learn it i mean just you know don't even worry about that Mm -hmm. but, but if they're going there for that, or, you know, you know, both parents are working in the day, somebody can't be with them, you know, whatever it is, every situation in every family is so different. I think the important thing that we have to recognize is um, the schools, even though the teachers can be amazing, try as they might doing the best they can, the administrators can be working their guts out, you know, some are better than others, obviously. Um, and, and I know that because I have a, like a, a family full of teachers. My dad was a teacher and sister-in-laws that were teachers and all kinds of stuff. And, <laughs> and like, I know some are better than others anyway. Um, but, but you got to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying, but mm -hmm. is there enough that's even against them? You know what I'm saying? It's like against them, against us. And it just makes me wonder, can we really fully trust that that is going to be everything that they need? And I think the answer is no. And I think that we're naive to not talk about some of the stuff that they might find. I think well, and you if, you're, if your mindset is you're trusting all of your edu all of your child's education to someone else that you might not even know very well, how do you know what your children are learning? Like That's you have it. no control over that. And so the only control you do have is when they are, you know, at home learning from your example, learning from your teaching um, and then a lot of times you have to correct different behaviors and different things that they've been learning at school at home. So yeah. it's better just to like teach them the right things in the first place. Yeah. So I hope I didn't make some enemies just now. You know, <laughs> I, I want you to know that I try my darndest to support the schools, even though my, my, my biological children did not go to school except for Paige gave her one experience. Um, <laughs> my my foster children all had to go to public school so i had all a lot of children that attended school i went there i went to school myself i would have been one of those that they would have been like wow she really turned out she was you know one of those model type students you know um my dad was a public school teacher i mean we're talking about so many friends and people i love who are teachers but even the the teachers you know when i have honest conversations with them now they say it's not the same. There is so much against us. There is so much 
that we are not able to deliver that the children need or things we have to deliver that I, I would never do in that way or at that time, even with my own child. And, and they say that to me, you know, um, I'm a sweet aunt who teaches kindergarten and on more than one occasion, she's come to me just crying and saying, Nicolene, thank you so much for trying to help our schools at the state. Thank you for trying to do all the things you're doing. She's like, I'm just trying to stick it out. I love these little kids so much. I wish I could just give them all little hugs. Of course I can't, that's <laughs> totally not appropriate. Now you can't ever touch a child even with a hug. And she's like, and, and I see all the little things that they're trying to push down the pike on us. And I know what the kids need versus what they're getting. And I'm struggling and, you know, truly um, mentioning to me how her heart breaks for the little children. And, and I feel like we've got to know that, you know, as parents, where is that dialogue? Who's talking about that? Because, and, and if our children are going to be there, we still need to know about the dialogue. Yeah. Because you need to know what's happening inside the school. Yeah. Because we've got to be the parent who is right there with the child doing the learning and leading the school, not vice versa, because there are children and, and at home, definitely doing schooling. Right. So we have made this a massively long podcast. <laughs> um, but, but hopefully it's really good information yeah. that you can apply to your family. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I, I feel like we've been totally off the cuff. I mean, I am <laughs> an off the cuff you both are gal. yeah um and and I just went straight for it this time I, I realized you know we here I homeschool and everybody's homeschooling right now and we need to maybe uh do a podcast if we haven't done one before already on homeschool so that we can prepare parents to succeed in their homes with their children whether they are the the teacher who's teaching the science lesson or not, parents should see themselves as the primary teacher in their child's lives. Mm -hmm. They are the greatest stakeholders. The family is the foundation of society. We absolutely must bring that to the table and say, um, okay, you're going to be teaching my child. Well, the foundation is the found uh, or the family is the foundation for my child. So um, this is where we're at. This is what the top priority is for us. Doesn't matter what the top priority is for you. And I think we've got to take that on as parents so that our children truly do get the educational experience that they need, no matter where it is. Right. And, you know, so be picky and, and take action and be, be involved. That's is basically what I'm saying in the Amen. culture and everything in the home. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, thank you so much for joining us on this teaching self-government podcast. It's been so fun to talk about homeschooling, even if you're not today, if you want more information about self-government or anything I do, I've got a YouTube channel you can check out. I also have a fantastic website with all kinds of resources, mm -hmm. some free, some not on teaching self-government.com. So go there and get more help and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.